The Bread and Butter podcast acknowledges the Yagara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mainjin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yagara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by Hi Al Productions. Did I say good? Did I get you one more time? Maybe just in case. Okay. Go. Bread and Better Podcast. Okay. Bread and Better Podcast. I feel like I am. Bread and Better Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Bread and Better. I'm Tegan. Professionally, I am a personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and chef. I'm the owner of an online coaching business called Fitty Teagues, and I have just moved to the sunny Gold Coast with my partner, Rhett, and our pup, Kenny. It hasn't been uh, so sunny as of yet, but we are absolutely all loving it. And I'm Alex, co-host and producer of this show. I'm a writer, a mum of three, and a business owner. I have not moved to the beach. However, I am excited to visit Tegan down here and record by the sea. And we are actually very close to the beach. We are, yeah. I got so excited coming off the highway I don't know if anyone knows the Gold Coast, but when you come off the highway and the closer, like the more roundabouts I went through, I was like, oh, getting closer to the beach, Oh yeah, getting closer to the beach. So yeah, we are nice and close. We're very, very lucky and we're all settled in now. So this is our first time recording here, which is nice. Yay. All right. So we just wanted to take a second today to say a really big thank you to all of you for listening to the pod and leaving such beautiful reviews and sharing it on your stories on Instagram. So last week we actually charted at 69 on the Apple charts for health and fitness. And we were so, so excited about that. And it's not lost on us that that is all due to your support and the fact that you guys are enjoying and sharing the pod. So we just wanted to take a second to say thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much guys. So we had an amazing response to our first feminism episode. So we've decided today to bring you another one. Before we do that, we're going to start with our favorite segment, the way we always start the pod and we're going to be discussing the best thing that we ate in the past week. So let's uh, kick it off with Alex's. So the best thing that I ate this week was a turkey roast, the first of the season at my mum's place with my family on Sunday night. It was really lovely. Turkey roasts are like a big thing in my family. They've always been like a staple at Christmas and it was something my mum cooked. And then when I moved out, I started cooking it. And we do so many different Christmas events. Like we have a friend Christmas called the Schmalonington's with like three different groups of friends. And so I do my turkey there and it's always like everyone loves it. So it was really nice to have that cooked for me by mum. And yeah, it was delicious. And I did a roast vegetable salad to go with it. And there was like beans and the little dinner rolls, which the kids love. So it was delicious. I knew that you were a good turkey cook because I put a question box up on my personal Instagram in the last week asking about people's favorite Christmas foods because I was uh, creating a few little recipes and Kev actually said your turkey. That's so nice. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, my whole family love it. And what was the best thing you ate this week? Um, so I'm going with something that someone cooked for me as well. I went to Sarah and Charlie's house after my big day in Brisbane last week, and uh, Sarah cooked a recipe from my ebook. Oh, nice. <laughs> and this isn't a shameless plug for the ebook. <laughs> However, she added to the satay chicken recipe some fresh mango yum. for like a summer twist. Yum. Yeah. 
Wow. It was really good. Like hot or cold? Like she made the hot dish and then she threw the mango in at the last minute. Yum. It was really yum. I'm going to try that. And you've got some really cool punny names for your recipes in there. What's the satay called? Something like come for the something satay for the chicken. Is that right? Yeah, it was uh, come for the chicken satay for the sauce. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Kev got a real kick out of that. He's so into puns. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love a pun. Yeah, do you? Especially a food-related pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really like, I was really impressed. I'm not witty enough to think of puns, so I was very impressed looking through your ebooks. So there's a lot going on in the world at the moment and so many really important feminist issues at play. For today's episode, I'm going to bring you some positive stories because that's always really nice to hear. And then we are going to talk about something that we are really passionate about on the show and that is women's health. And I've narrowed it down to a few issues that I know impact a lot of our listeners. So you guys really loved our first feminism app and I know that I learned so much and this is really Alex's domain. I have done absolutely nothing to prepare for today's episode. So if there's anything that you would like to know more about on this topic or on health and nutrition, which is more in my wheelhouse, we would love to hear from you. So I'm so excited to learn more in this episode, but I'm also nervous because I know Alex has prepared another one of her quizzes for me at the end. And this time it is a feminist pop quiz. Yes. And I've got like 10 questions for you. So... Oh my God. Get ready. And you said Kev got eight out of 10, but he's married to you. That's like such an advantage. <laughs> they're, yeah. Well, they're pop culture feminism questions as well. So it's really, I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm excited to see what you get. I will learn. Yeah. You're going to learn today. <laughs> Strap in. So to kick us off, Alex, what have you got for us today? So Tegan and those of you who have tuned in before know how much I love a good sports story. Do you like sports documentaries? <laughs> I do. I love sorts. You haven't mentioned it. Haven't I? <laughs> They're my favorite thing in the world. But yeah, I love the human spirit in it and how it brings people together. So in the last few years, there's been a massive push towards equal pay, equal opportunity, equal airtime across the board from surfing to soccer to AFLW, you name it. There's people out there campaigning for change. So one of the big change makers is Lucy Small. Have you heard of Lucy before? I have not. So she is a surfer from WA and in 2021, Lucy won a competition in Sydney and her very candid acceptance speech went completely viral and she became an what she calls accidental activist from this speech. Essentially, when she won, she was handed a cheque for $1,500, which was less than half of what the men's prize was. I was just about to say $1,500 isn't very much money for winning uh, a competition. Not at all. And it was it was a pretty major competition as well. So she's handed this check. She's standing in front of the mic and she was so mad. And she said in interviews that she tried to hold it in, but she just couldn't. And so she said, thank you so much to the sponsors for the money they've put into this event. But I would say it's a bittersweet victory knowing that our surfing is worth less than half of the men's prize money. Flights were the same cost to fly here. Accommodation costs the same. Yet our surfing's worth half as much. So maybe we could think about that next time. Go off, Lucy. Yeah. I'll pop a link to her Instagram so everyone can check her out, but loved that. Anyway, so that speech started a huge conversation in New South Wales about women's sport in general. And it led to things like the equal pay for equal play movement. 
Anyway, so fast forward to this year, Lucy was looking into entering a longboard competition like right here in Kira when she noticed that they didn't have a separate women's division. It was an open event that had $5,500 of prize money. Lucy contacted the organisers and asked if they could consider creating a women's division and splitting the prize money in half, but the organisers said no and they said that it is equal because anyone can enter. Anyway, then Lucy's gone on Instagram and explained to everyone, well, it's not really equal because when you have a mixed division, the men are actually so much more likely to win. So what she did, so there was like 16 spaces in this competition. So she like rallied all these females surfaced together and they filled 15 spaces and then one man filled the 16th. And she actually added him to her group WhatsApp chat with all these chicks. And when he realized what was going on, he said, oh, I'll pull out just in support of you girls. So then they got another girl and they filled the entire competition. So it became a women's only event. And then the organizers were not happy. Like they weren't into it being only girls. Anyway, it blew up in the media. And eventually a sports brand contacted the organizers and said that they would pay for a women's only division. So then they went ahead with a men's division and a women's division and they both got equal prize money. And that was all because of Lucy. That's awesome. And like Lucy did good shit, but shame on them for not running it with just the girls in it anyway. Yeah. That's yeah. just bullshit. Like yeah. you had, like you wanted a competition. You yeah. have, you know, five grand to give away. You needed 16 people. You had 16 people who I'm assuming are all elite surfers mm-hmm. and incredibly impressive. And they're like, nah. Yeah. You don't have a dick. Yeah. And you're probably like, yeah, not going to be as impressive. So we don't want to go ahead until someone else steps in and says like, give the girls a shot, but yeah. let's make an extra division. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, good on Lucy and all those Good on Lucy. Girls. Absolute yeah. fucking legend. Yeah. Like that's so what powerful. What a legend. Yeah. And I think- Can like, we get Lucy on the pod? Oh my God. What a dream. She's so cool. You would love her. You should follow her on Instagram. She's- She's really interesting and obviously like such a change maker. And I think stories like this one are really important because like she saw something and she changed it like really quickly. She rallied people. Yeah. So I think that that's really motivating for people to see. Like, yeah, like you and, and like I think this is the thing and it's probably like with all of these sort of big issues, people think like, well, what Im- influence can I have? Like I'm just one person. Yeah. Whereas, look, she's just one person and she was just like she saw an opportunity yeah. to make change and she made it happen. Yeah, yeah. So that's a very cool story and, you know, close to home. So very excited to share that one. Maybe when there's a surfing competition on, we can go down and we should stalk try her. and find her. <laughs> well, actually, we this, are coming for you. Yeah, right. Talking about stalking this morning, I was listening to the Imperfects on the way here and Hugh and Josh talk about this cafe that they go to that Harry Styles went to and then it blew up and they said the name of it. And I was like, Tegan, jump on, we should jump on a plane. <laughs> Go to Melbourne. Just like sit out. They said they go there for Friday breakfast every week. I'm like, let's just go sit down there and like sit near them. And be like, oh hey, we have a podcast. So if you haven't clued on yet, Alex is low key obsessed with the Imperfects. <laughs> which had you listened to them before? I recommended that episode. No, that was the first time I've ever listened to them. Oh okay. So they have this fantastic episode with Kate that owns Loon. Yeah, croissants, and that was you know a really uh, powerful episode that has started Alex's obsession. Obsession, which they are fantastic. Have have you listened to the Ned Brockman episode? No, not yet. Yeah, that's really good. Oh, I'm obsessed with all the Dr. Emily episodes. All right, so on to the next positive sport story. As you know, if you listened to the last ep, we talked a lot about the Matildas and TV coverage 
And trying to watch women's sport, whether it be on TV or in a bar or in a pub, is like a sport in itself. Like, so it's getting better now. But like back in the day when my friends started playing AFLW, it would be like a miracle if it was on TV. And even then it would be on like plus seven and like maybe and it would air late. Or it would be like, here's a live stream, like watch it on your computer you can't watch it on the TV, but like it also might break up the whole time. So you're not going to get to see the game. Yeah, totally. Can we just do a quick shout out for how good the Queensland AFLW teams are? Go the Lions and the Suns. Yeah. The girls are fucking good. I know. They're my two favorite teams. So doing very well. So it's improving now, but I dare say that in most bars and pubs, men's sport still takes precedence on the TV. Oh, 100%. Yes. So I mean, unless like, you know. Unless it's the Matildas. Yeah, or the, you know. yeah, in the World Cup. But like who's even watching where they're playing now? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're watching it at home. But yeah, they're definitely, I've not. But we're not packing out pubs like no. we were when they were playing in the World Cup. Absolutely. But like the men's AFL and the men's NRL, like that'll pack out pubs every single game. Anyway, so this woman in Portland grew so sick of trying to find somewhere to watch women's sports. She came up with an idea to open the bar that only plays women's sport. So she was actually rejected by every bank and every lender when she approached them about this idea. And eventually after pouring her own life savings into this idea, she started a Kickstarter, which ended up going viral and raising more than $105,000. Wow. Yeah. So So the sports bra was born and it became such a huge thing. There's actually still lineups every day to get in, like all the way down the street. It's attracted the attention of WNBA players. And this is the best part of the story. So in the first eight months, she made $1 million profit. Um, So cool. Yeah. And And the the name is so good. It's so good. And the bar's motto is the only competition is the status quo. Oh, love. And I bloody love that. And I just think that that's so true and can be applied to so many things but just like fucking good on her Mm. yeah and if anyone's listening who has the means please open some sports pubs for us because i would love that yeah that would be really cool don't even drink but just to go for the community i mean you're not the target clientele like you like women's sports but at the end of the day it is a business and they probably need you to drink something yeah i know i was just about to say that i don't drink and i'm sure i will buy uh, (laughs) water do they sell merch or hot chips (laughs) <laughs> gluten-free hot chips please. gluten-free hot chips i'll eat my weight in those <laughs> yes that would be so cool yeah so cool so loved that story i did love that story yeah like i saw it um i saw someone share it on instagram which was when i obviously reshared it because <laughs> i was like this is our vibe and the name the name's awesome so fucking witty so clever she's good at puns she is good at puns <laughs> All right, so final positive sports story. Love this. So you know that we're a pretty gymnastics-obsessed household. Yes. So Magnolia does gymnastics when the Olympics is on, and you'll learn this next year. I plan my whole life around the Olympics, but specifically around gymnastics. gymnastics. I will not do things. I will wake up at 4am to watch even the qualifiers. That's how much I love it. And our favourite athlete in the world is, of course, Simone Biles. Please tell me you know who she is. Oh, Tegan. 
She's one of the greatest athletes of all time. I'm going to send you so much information. You will love her. She's a powerhouse. And we've got her, we've got all of her books actually. There's a lot of books about when she was younger because she's had a really hard life. I'm assuming she's a gymnast. Yes, she's a gymnast. She's the best gymnast ever of all time. Really? Yeah. So is that like statistics or like? No, that's statistics. She is. I'm like, or in your opinion? I think she's like, she's the best gymnast, but also she's considered one of the best athletes ever. Fuck, I've been living under a rock. You have. She's incredible. So people who do follow her may already know this, but some context first. At the 2021 Games, Simone was at the height of her career. It was like, I think she'd already won a gold medal and then she was about to compete in the like team events. And she actually pulled out of the Olympics midway through um, because she got the twisties. And that's essentially when you're mid-air doing like an aerial flippy flip situation. or whatever. Yeah, so you there's a disconnect between your mind and your body and you lose sense of where you are. So, and it can be caused by a mental block. So it's a huge mental game. Oh shit. Yes. Mind is so powerful. Yeah. So that really impacted her and she essentially pulled out because of that. And she noted mental health issues as well. And then that started a huge conversation in the Olympic village and like in sport in general, because that was so brave of her. And then a lot of people in the Olympics came out and said that they were actually struggling as well, which was huge. I do remember this situation. Yeah. So Simone then took a break from gymnastics and she returned this week. So essentially she's taken like a two year sort of break and she returned just a few weeks ago to her first world championships where she was the oldest competitor at 26 years old. Anyway, she goes up and she is the first woman ever to complete the, I might pronounce this wrong, but the Yochenko double pike, which you have to see a video of her doing this. She's like defying gravity. It's one of the most difficult moves, obviously, because she's the first woman to ever complete it. So now that move is named after her. And it's actually the fifth skill that she has named after her now. Wow. Yeah, which is huge. And I'll yeah, I'll definitely pop a video to that because it's insane. Let's try and pop that on the Instagram if we yeah. can get that going. Definitely. That's really, really cool. Imagine yeah. having like an, uh, a move named after you. Yeah, or five. Or five, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think that's just incredible to go through all of that and have such a big break and then come back first world champs back and and that's what you do so so cool so is she competing in the olympics next year oh yeah for sure for sure we're gonna have to plan the pot around that Tegan. okay that's fine i'm gonna make you watch everything she's in i don't have that much time but i'll I'll watch i'll send you highlights can i watch like the finals yeah it's so good it's so interesting it's a big commitment it's a big commitment it's so worth it though I get genuinely very upset if I miss anything the swimming oh my god swimming is really good my mum loves watching the swimming yeah loves 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 athletics everything the walking that's one of my favorites the walking I love watching what about hurdles butt swaddle yeah love the hurdles Hurdles is so impressive Sally Pisson and pole vault yes pole vault blows my mind how do they do that how I just don't understand. It's I don't have – I think I tried it once in high school and I just, like, couldn't even get the coordination to get the stick in the right place. Was it you that high jumped, though? <laughs> no. Definitely not. I would, like, run up and freak out. Did we have someone on talking about being good at high jump? Maybe it was Emma. Yeah. Yeah, it was Emma. Wouldn't surprise me. I watched Emma's Instagram story yesterday of her doing the – Thrusters. Lifting up the weights. Yeah, it's called a thruster. <laughs> Wild. I was so impressed. Yeah, she's strong. She didn't as fuck. break a sweat. She's so fit and strong. Yeah. I said that. Yeah, I said that you to did. you guys. Yeah, yeah. She is so fit and strong. Yeah, so strong. How's your triathlon training going? This is just a bit of a pivot. <laughs> um, it's taken a bit of a hit because of the laparoscopy. 
Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But I'm going, I'm allowed to swim from Sunday. Yep. So going for a swim on Sunday and then my friend's moving overseas, which I'm very sad about, but she's letting me use her bike while she's gone. Oh, excellent. So I'll start that. And do you know what I was thinking? We should go do an ocean swim down in Talabadra. Oh, I would love that. Because I see people swimming down there all the time. And yeah. when I was preparing with no preparing <laughs> for my swim. Oh my God. Can we talk about this? At Guys, the try. Last Sunday, I'm just messaging Tegan casually about the pod, sending her all these things. And she's like, oh, I'll have a look after the news to try. And I'm like, oh, so she came, oh, I think she's up there supporting Emmy. Like she must just be there watching the crew. And then next minute I see photos of you and you just competed. I did a swim in a team. That's a huge thing still for someone who hasn't trained. I didn't train for it. But you did swim growing up. I did swim for. So you've got that I just, it's, instinct. Yeah. I, and I have done the. And you're very fit, obviously. I have done the ocean swim at two other tries. So I kind of knew what to expect. Yeah. Um, and I did a PB, which was, oh. <laughs> that was a miracle. Blow my mind. I was so impressed. I was like, maybe I missed one of the boys. <laughs> But no, it was really, uh, it was a really nice day at Noosa and the water was really clear. And when I was swimming out, I could see fish. Oh, that's so nice. There's always fish there. I was like, this is so magical. That's so great. Yeah. I've only done the Noosa once before. Oh, that was okay. my first team try. Right. Okay, cool. And apparently, fun fact, female athlete, my cyclist said that right before I ran in, Susie O'Neill ran in. What? Yeah, so she must have been in a different team that was in the transition area near us. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would pass out if she walked past me. <laughs> Hero. <Star-struck. laughs> That's amazing. Well, congratulations. Thanks. So I've just had a little look through the topics that we're going to discuss now and I know that there are things that have impacted people that I know and love and that there are some things in there that we are likely to go through later on in our lives. Women's health is something that we are both so passionate about and obviously the catalyst for the podcast idea in the first place. I think it's so important that we understand what is happening with women's health in the country so that we can make positive change and also learn how to be an advocate for ourselves and for those that we love. Yeah, that's so right. And I, as someone who has experienced gender bias in the health system, was still so shocked by some of the research that I came across in preparation for this episode. So some of these things are just going to blow your mind. So to understand where we're at today, we have to go back a little bit because the issues that women are facing today, delayed diagnosis, misdiagnosis, underdiagnosis, uh, you name it, they all stem from a severe lack of women in research. There's this really amazing article. It's actually an excerpt by Gabrielle Jackson and it's called The Female Problem, How Male Bias in Medical Trials Ruined Women's Health. And I think that this really explains it better than most of the things that I've read. So I'm going to pop a link to that in the show notes, but essentially she explains that we literally know less about every aspect of female biology compared to male biology, because historically, not only have doctors, scientists, and researchers mostly been men, but most of the cells, animals, and humans studied in medical science have also been male. Even animals. Yeah. That's so interesting. And that's definitely something that I have experienced a little bit in study for personal training like it's yeah a lot of things say oh like you know please note most of the information is more suited to male research mm-hmm. or more research is needed on women and yeah yeah you come across it in so many things but yeah so most of the advances we have seen in medicine have come from the study of male biology so I'm going to give you a few examples 
And yeah, these are just insane. When I was reading them last night, I was literally going like on the couch. Kev's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I can't. I'm like, you're just gonna have to wait to listen to the podcast. Okay. So in the sixties, when observing that women tended to have lower rates of heart disease until their estrogen levels dropped after menopause, researchers conducted the first trial to look at whether supplementation with the hormone was an effective preventative treatment. The study enrolled 8,341 men and no women. (laughs) Sorry, what? Yep. So the study is supposed to be looking at women's estrogen levels after menopause. Yep. And they studied men. Yep. Only men. No women. Well, that's a bit fucking redundant. Yeah. Just wait. It gets worse. A NIH supported pilot study from Rockefeller University that looked at how obesity affected breast and uterine cancer didn't enroll a single woman in the study. Not one. About breast and uterine cancer. Okay. But men don't have (laughs) uteruses. Yeah. Like they can have breast tissue. And I know that men can have breast cancer. This is just like, this is just a waste of money. Yep. First and foremost. Yep. You should have heard when I was telling this to Kev, obviously he's a scientist and he was like, it just doesn't make sense scientifically. It's not a... It doesn't make sense. How can they even test the thing that they're supposed to test? What's that thing at the start of a science, like the hypotheses? Yeah. What they're trying to find? Yeah. Like, how does that even fucking make sense? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, here's some more. (laughs) The Baltimore Longitudinal Study of Aging, which began in 1958 and purported to explore normal human aging, didn't enrol any women for the first 20 years that it ran. So we're not normal <laughs> We're not humans. No. That part, that actually doesn't fucking surprise me. Yeah. So the physician's health study, which had recently concluded that taking a daily aspirin may reduce the risk of heart disease, conducted in 22,071 men, zero women. Okay, and one last one. The 1982 Multiple Risk Factor Intervention Trial, which looked at whether dietary change and exercise could help prevent heart disease, only 13,000 men, no women. I want to talk to these people because I've got some questions. (laughs) You just want to like shake them. I've just got some questions like, do you think that women's and men's bodies are the same and that's why you didn't include women? Or do you think who gives a fuck if we get heart disease because we're not important and that's why you didn't include women? Yeah. Or did you think that women weren't smart enough to follow your fucking protocols and that's why you didn't include women? I've got some questions. Yeah, well, there's actually like a lot of theories as to why women weren't included. It's a whole like that paternal thing where it's like, oh, we're protecting women. And then it's also goes all the way back to like Aristotle's views on the female body. And it was essentially that females were just a like mutilated version of the man. So we've kind of always just been viewed as like our bodies are inferior and, you know, we're for reproductive purposes. Well, I was about to say without our bodies, your bodies don't exist. Yeah. And if you have a look at those early drawings of women, we're drawn with like really big hips and really small heads. And I think that just says so much about the way we were viewed. Like we're there to deliver babies and not think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's really interesting. The more you dive into it, the more. It is really interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting to think like where we are now, obviously we have so much further to go. Yeah. But like 
to see where we've come from, like shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. So these days, obviously it's improved, but as you can imagine now we're significantly on the back foot because there was all these advances in men's health and we're just catching up. So some of the most challenging conditions that predominantly impact women are, and I know all about this, they're under-researched and under-diagnosed. So autoimmune diseases affect 8% of the global population and 78% of those affected are women. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. So it is like largely a female issue and it's incredibly under-researched and it takes years to get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So females are three times more likely than males to develop rheumatoid arthritis and four times more likely to be diagnosed with multiple cirrhosis. Women make up two thirds of the people with Alzheimer's disease. And this one blew my mind. Women are three times more likely to have a heart attack than a man. I didn't know that. No. And I feel like everything you see on movies and TV, it's like men having heart attacks. You don't really hear as much about women having heart attacks. So the lack of research into the way women experience experience different medical conditions is so dangerous. For example, with the heart attacks, the diagnosis method for a heart attack still favors male biology. So many women experience delayed diagnosis or misdiagnosis of a heart attack because of this. So everyone knows what it looks like when a man is having a heart attack. Like we've all seen it on TV. They'll grab their arm, you got pain in your arm, pain in your chest. But for women, a heart attack can present itself as shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, back pain or jaw pain because of these different symptoms. Yeah, women are, as I said, going misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. And my nan actually had a heart attack a few years ago. And at first she just thought it was indigestion or reflux and she actually went to her local ED and they said it was indigestion and sent her home and then she well I think she essentially like was taken to a private hospital up here on the Gold Coast and it was a heart attack and she said to me like Ali I had no idea I was having a heart attack because I just felt sick like and I just didn't realize that that was a symptom. I have done 15 years of first aid and I have never heard that women's heart attacks can present as back or jaw pain. Yeah yeah so she had back pain and the jaw pain as well and just would never have thought that that's what it was. Wow that's so so interesting. Yeah it is it's mind-blowing. Okay and so I mean we could talk all day about how women are treated regarding their reproductive health issues, how long it takes to get a diagnosis for endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome. We could actually do a whole episode about that even just really general like women's health like it's so hard to find a good women's health doctor yeah like a few years ago uh when i did the marathon the first time or the second time i lost my period yeah and i went to a women's health specialist and i went there and i wanted to get my eggs tested just to kind of know where i was at and i wanted to get my hormone levels tested and i got blood tests done And she couldn't tell me anything really of importance. All she said to me was, well, if you want to have babies, you better start thinking about it because, you know, you're getting you're getting on. Yeah. Well, on that. So actually, last night when I was reading and I will find this so I can put a link to it. But in saying that it's really hard to find a good women's health doctor, women's health is actually still considered a niche in the medical industry. Yeah, it would be. When it's like 50% of the population. Yeah. But interestingly, like after, and I will go into detail in another episode when I finally get a diagnosis, but. You um, had a really good experience this week with the doctor. I did. I did. I had a fantastic experience. And after the horrible experience I had at the hospital, the doctor that I saw there, I said to her, no one has 
ever tested my hormones. Even though everyone knows that my health issues are related to ovulation and menstruation, like why hasn't anyone tested my hormones? And she said, oh, it's not really worth it. And that's all she said. And I was like, okay. But then I went to this new doctor who I just love. And one of the first things she said was, okay, let's get your hormones checked. Like, why hasn't that been checked? Why hasn't this been checked? Why haven't you been sent to this person? And I told her what had happened. And she said, well, some doctors are of the belief, like there's two, you know, sets of thoughts. Some doctors think that because your hormones fluctuate so much throughout your cycle, it's not worth checking it because you, you've got nothing to go off. And she said, but if I'm looking at someone's, you know, results and yes, their estrogen and progesterone levels might be different, but if you're complete depleted in estrogen, that's different. Like that's, that's different from what you're expecting the results to be. And you're going to flag that. And that's something you can work on. Yeah. They, they mustn't be able to, you know, tell too much from and so therefore they don't do it because I specifically asked for mine to be tested. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, you're in the phase like right before you get your period. And I'm like, I haven't had a period for fucking six months. Yeah. And I had this blood test done twice now and we were both times we were in that phase. Like it's not, yeah, it's not giving us any information. Yeah. And then she kind of just referred me on to get like an internal Ultrasound. ultrasound to see if I had PCOS. Yeah. But you can also get like types of PCOS that it can be like situational because this was saying like it could be caused by um, low energy availability, which was definitely a possibility. And you can also have it temporarily from coming off the pill. Yeah. So I was like, that makes sense. And that makes sense. And then I ended up like, obviously with my knowledge of nutrition, thinking that, you know, an underfueling issue could be the issue and kind of took things into my own hands and rectified the situation on my own, because obviously that was the issue. Yeah. But I just was like, I just wanted to make sure that my hormones were healthy. Yeah. So that if if we decided that we wanted to have kids, it wasn't like a two-year process yeah. to get that sorted out. And yeah. I couldn't find good help. Yeah. That being said, one of the girls that I do coach did ask me if I had a good female GP, which I didn't, but I put it to my client community yeah. and we did have a heap of great suggestions. So they are out there. You've just got to know where to ask and look for them. Yeah. One of the things that still remains such a mystery, despite the fact that it's something that is going to impact half of the population at some stage, is menopause. So as Associate Professor Erin Morton put it when she entered menopause herself, there seems to be a lack of knowledge across health roles, poor access to services, negative attitudes and lagging research to support women through this important time of their life. And it's something, it's huge. And some people get a lot of symptoms like hot flashes and stuff. And then some people will get no symptoms. Yeah. And And I think a lot of people don't even realize that there is like medical intervention that can help. Yeah, exactly. Because they're not told and they're not educated. Yeah, they're just suffering through some things. Same with periods. Like I was under the impression that I was supposed to be in a lot of pain when I had my period. So I didn't really do anything about it for a really long time. And that's so common. Like so people think that like really symptomatic periods are normal Mm -hmm. and they're not normal. Yeah, exactly. I was so shocked when my doctor was like, you actually don't have to be in this much pain and you're not supposed to be in this much pain. And I think it's just because as women, we're kind of told to just accept that. Having a regular period that's not super heavy, not super light, not super painful, not super impactful is actually a really good indication of good health. And some people that, you know, do have good health in quotation marks, do have these horrendous period symptoms and think that that's just how their period is, which that might not be the case. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's all around education and menopause is definitely lacking in a lot of that. And it's still a taboo subject, which is insane because so many people go through it. But I'm going to put a link to Dr. Erin's statement in the show notes. And she's actually created a register that just opened in October for women to share their experiences with menopause, their symptoms and how it impacts their life. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Vital. And I'll put a link to that in as well for anyone who is going through it and wants to share their symptoms because it's a really great way for them to collect more data. Yeah, that's really important. So there's another woman making change. Yes. Um, yes. I think that that's a really awesome theme yeah. to be like, you know, we think I'm just one woman, but you can have a really big impact. Or yeah. like think of this research that she's putting together. Yeah. You know, if we can get thousands or millions of just one women, we've yeah. got all this data yeah, that exactly. we didn't have before yeah. and that's missing. And that's obviously like not high priority for the yeah penis owning researchers so true so lastly this is something that i was going to cover in today's episode but we don't have enough time to really do it the justice it deserves so we've spoken about this and we're going to do a full episode on it really soon but just to touch on a few of the feminist aspects of it so in women autism and adhd are both often missed or misdiagnosed nearly 80 percent of women with autism are misdiagnosed often with conditions such as borderline personality disorder eating disorders bipolar disorder and anxiety and it's actually not even known how many women with adhd are diagnosed like we don't even have the research on that so among the reasons for for this is the fact that autism and ADHD symptoms are different in women than they are in men. Another major problem is that autism and ADHD are still often seen as male disorders. While it's true that both conditions affect a higher proportion of men than women, that could also be because men are diagnosed and women are going undiagnosed and the tools that are being used to diagnose these people and these conditions are not recognised like the female symptoms. Mm. So at the moment, there's a massive shortage of psychiatrists in Australia. The wait lists are huge and it's pretty much impossible to get an ADHD diagnosis through the public system. I was actually reading that it's expected that by the end of 2023, we will be short 150 psychiatrists. Yeah, I know a few people that have been, you know, trying to get this diagnosis and not being able to get appointments and not being taken seriously. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because some people are viewing it as a trend. And because on TikTok, women are sharing their experiences to bring awareness to it. A lot of people are like, oh, well, it's trendy to get this diagnosis. But also if I had have seen someone with the symptoms that I had, I could have gotten a diagnosis earlier because I had no idea that what I was going through, you know, was bipolar. And I feel like that's the same for a lot of people with ADHD and autism. They just think that that's the way life is. And like my sister is autistic. And I think that it is important that there's a lot more awareness and it's a lot more normalised and not as stigmatised as where we were kind of younger. If someone had an autism diagnosis, they might have been bullied a little bit more. Not to say that I'm sure bullying is still a huge issue. So the fact that it is trendy in making it more accepting is making it easier potentially for these people to find similar experiences. So because of the lack 
of accessibility to the public health system in getting a diagnosis for things like ADHD. On average, women in Australia seeking an ADHD diagnosis will spend upwards of $2,000 to do so. Yeah, wow. Which is so expensive and so many people don't have that option. So expensive. Yeah. And as you said, like we do want to explore this more because this is a really big topic and we would love to get some people on the podcast that have been diagnosed and and what that kind of looked like for them because as you said the symptoms in women are very different to the symptoms in men and yeah there's you know potential out there that there are just as many women suffering from this yeah but we don't know as much about what that looks like and it looks completely different yeah and yeah hugely impacts their lives So here we go. Now I have prepared a pop culture feminist quiz for Tegan and I'm so excited. Okay. I've got this. You ready? Yep. Okay. So question number one. I think you might know this one. Who performed at the Super Bowl this year? Pregnant. Rihanna. Rihanna. Yay. Go me. Yay. That was amazing. In my opinion, one of the best uh, Super Bowl performances that I've ever seen. I know she copped a lot of flack for being too sexual while pregnant, but again, highlights a lot of feminist issues in the way that we're viewed and the way we're supposed to act. I still love the one, the big R&B. Yeah. Yeah. That was incredible. That one was epic. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, Okay, next question. Well done. One for one. So these are all 2023, by the way. What if I beat Kev? Oh, you might. Look out, Kev. I'm coming for you. Ready? All right. So who became the most awarded artist in Grammy history this year? Billie Eilish? No. Of all time. Of all time. Beyonce? Yeah. Yes. What a woman. Two. We're not counting. (laughs) Cut out the Billie Eilish. All right. Third question. I actually think you might get some too. Who became the first female hip-hop artist nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Missy Elliott? Yay! I'm pretty good with music. Yeah, cool. Missy, and a lot of these are music themed because I'm a music buff. Isn't Missy Elliott just the best? Yeah, she's so Bloody good. I saw her, her once. What? Yeah, at Park Life before oh, I'm Park so Life jealous. got canned, and she was so popular yeah. that the River Stage packed out and they stopped letting people in, and it was just really? like shoulder to shoulder. Did oh. you ever go to Park Life? It was like uh, the river stage was the main stage and the other stages were in the botanical gardens at, at Brisbane. I went and to Sunset was, Sounds. Was that Park Life before Park Life? It was the same setup. Maybe. It was incredible. I saw so many good people there. Best festival ever. Yeah. Is um, that four? Three. Three. That's three. Well three done. Three. You're killing it. Woo! All right. I think you get this too. So this year, who had the highest grossing tour of all time, earning records? Taylor Swift. Setting $1 billion in sale. Yay. That was My big. girl. <laughs> Too easy. <laughs> Too easy. With the errors to out. What a fucking legend. All right. Next question. You're doing very well here. What was the highest grossing movie of 2023? The Taylor Swift movie. No. No. Come on. Oh, the Barbie movie. Yay. Barbie. I was like, surely she didn't do two back-to-back Taylor Swift movies. P.S. Is Magnolia still making friendship bracelets? Yeah, do you want one? Yeah, can she make me a B&B one? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yay. So cute. Yeah, I'll get her to do it. All right. Whose memoir sold 1.1 million copies in the first week very recently? Memoir. Are they alive? Yeah. Can I ask a few more questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they American? Yep. Obviously female. Yeah. Are they an actress? No. Nah. Politician? Mm-mm. Musician? Mm-hmm. Old? No. So they're already younger than me? No, older than you. Younger than my mum? Younger than your mum. I'd say maybe she's 10 years older than us. 10 years older than us. Yeah. 
She's one of the most famous people in the whole world. Beyonce again. Nah. Very controversial book. Lots of interesting things came out about it, particularly about Justin Timberlake. Oh, Britney Spears. Yeah, Britney. 1.1 million copies. The pre-orders like went off the charts. And does she get that money? Is she God out of her? So. Yeah. Yeah, she's out of her thing. So yeah, hopefully it does. Okay. Second last question. You're doing very well. What was the most watched television program in Australia since 2001? The Matildas. The Matildas. Which game? The second last one. Yeah. The Matildas first. Oh, no, no. Not the France. last one. Yeah. Matildas first, the Lionesses. So the semifinal. Yeah. After the most incredible game we've ever seen, the penalty shootout, everyone tuned in to the Lionesses game. Oh, yeah. But that was a that was a better game to watch, the penalty shootout game. That was the best game I've ever. We were literally on the edge of our streets well, we, I, I'll never look, get over I've that. got a confession to make. Did you not watch it? I watched it. I watched the penalty shootout. Yeah. But I didn't watch the whole game because the Brisbane Lions were playing at the same time and it was getting very close to the end of the season. Tegan, Tegan. I know. I know. Maybe we can go back and watch it together. This was this is in my pre-feminist Feminist. days. This is pre-our first episode. I still love the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, they're great. And I had never, I had never even watched a soccer game at all, men's, women's, anything. Yeah. And then I watched the penalty shootout, and I was like, "This is so cool!" And people are like, "This never happens." <laughs> and I said, "I didn't know any of the rules to soccer." And then someone said, "Just don't touch the ball with your hands." That's like fifty percent of the yeah, rules. There's like barely any rules, right? All right. Final question: Which two women did the Australian Financial Review name as the most culturally powerful figures in Australia? In 2023. In Australia, culturally powerful. Yeah. And they're two. Two women. Are they like, do they work together or they're two separate people? Two very separate people. Who is doing big things in our culture? Okay, I'm not sure. I don't know this one. Do you want a clue? Will I get it? Yeah, you'll get it. Are they they athletes? One's an athlete. Oh. And one you saw the big amazing thing they did this year. Is one of them Sam Kerr? Yeah. Okay. And the other one, you saw the big thing they did this year. Oh, so that wasn't the big thing. Well, Sam Kerr obviously did one of the big things and then the other person did something huge this year that you saw. In real life? No, like you saw it. On the TV? On the cinema. At the cinema. Yeah. Oh, Margot Robbie. Yeah. I forget that she's Australian. Yeah. So the Australian Financial Review named Margot Robbie and Sam Kerr as the two most powerful cultural figures yeah. this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll 100% pay that. Good yeah. job, guys. Right. Well yeah. done. Awesome. Good you job. might have you to cut out some that. of my thinking so it doesn't seem like dunna, dunna, oh, no, dunna, or you just put more sound do. in there. <laughs> thinking, thinking, thinking. <laughs> That's a good idea. I might do that. I put the elevator music. <laughs> that would be really funny. I'm you should do, do that. that. <laughs> I just want to state before we wrap up that all of the information that I got today was from peer-reviewed articles or journals written by doctors and experts. So I am going to post the links to all of my research in the show notes so that if you're interested in any of it, you can go and have a look and just to credit them, obviously, for their ideas. A little bibliography. A little bibliography. Yes. That word has not come into my radar for a while. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. And I always learn something in these feminist episodes and it fuels my feminist fire. Fuck, there's a lot of Fs in that (laughs) sentence. Well done. Um, If there's any other topics that you think we should discuss or if you have any guest ideas or a story that you would like to share with us, we would love to hear from you. 
If you would like to leave us a review, you can do so on Apple Podcasts or throw us a few stars on Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Bread and Better. We might have gone too many instructions there. I know. I did. You know what? That. If you do all of those things, guys, we got a prize coming for you. We do have a prize. We do have a prize coming. Yeah, yeah that might already. Prize. Oh, will it be out by then? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>